A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's August 23rd, 1973, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. Arian, you know the feeling. It's been more than a year since Ollie came up with the idea for this podcast. And since then, you and I have been forced to record with him, not knowing <laughs> when or if it will all end so we can see our loved ones. And yet, have you noticed we've started to feel a strange sense of attachment to him? Yeah, I like him a little. <laughs> this is the concept of Stockholm Syndrome. And the incident that inspired the phrase began on this day during what's called the Normalstrog robbery. Yeah, so the, the Ollie man of this uh, analogy is uh, Jan Eric Olsen, the gunman who went into Credit Banking in the centre of Stockholm wearing makeup, a lady's wig and a pair of sunglasses, ripped out a submachine gun and fired around into the ceiling, shouting, the party starts on this day. Yeah. That's who you've just compared me to. I mean, how could you not love a guy who did exactly that in exactly that way? <laughs> you know, even though, yes, in the context of beginning this robbery, he actually managed to wound a policeman who had responded to a silent alarm and then took some hostages. He did it in such a likable way. Yeah, <laughs> he took out his radio and put it on the counter and started blasting out rock music as employees and customers ran for the doors. Later, it transpired that what he was actually doing was he wanted to tune into the news and listen to see when news of the bank robbery would hit. But it must have been like a scene from a movie, especially because... <laughs> He said the party starts in English with an American accent. And one of the hostages would later say, I believed I was seeing something that could only happen in America. So there was like a sort of cinematic nature to the incident. I'm sorry, that's more sinister. This man went in with a gun quite capable of killing everybody in sight. It must have been terrifying yeah, yeah, for a lot yeah. of the people in there. And <laughs> the fact that it sounds like a pastiche from a film is exactly the kind of thing that chills you to the core, isn't it? Because you think this is Ollie, a person who's been influenced I think influenced you'd feel a lot seen. better about Olsen if you were maybe like locked in a vault with him for a few days i think it's just <laughs> changed your opinion um, he demanded three million kroner i found so many different versions of what that was actually worth but like millions of dollars yeah a large amount of money yeah he yeah. wanted guns bulletproof vests and helmets for the hostages because that was this was all part of his getaway plan and he wanted his bestie clark olafson who was a very famous gangster a bit of a cray type figure a notorious drug trafficker and he had been olsen's cellmate and he wanted him to come to the bank and police actually submitted to quite a lot of his demands quite quickly. They'd actually delivered Olsen. We've got a problem. We've got an armed criminal in a bank vault with hostages. Yeah. I know what we'll do. We'll acquiesce to the <laughs> demand where he asks for a more senior criminal associate. Let's give him an accomplice, guys. This was, I'll tell you what, this whole thing does no favours to Sweden's image as being too liberal for its own good. You know, the, the only sensible decision of the incident really was from the Minister of Justice, who said the police were free to do what they thought best, but in no circumstances was Olsen to be allowed to leave the bank with his hostages, which honestly I feel like they probably would have done if they hadn't been specifically forbidden. Yeah, so among the things that they thought were the best thing to do were the delivery of this blue Ford Mustang, which he had insisted had to be just like the one that Steve McQueen drove in Bullet. <laughs> and so they, they brought him this car with a full tank of petrol, and they also were ready to deliver on the money. But they drew a line in the sand at this whole business of uh, whether he can go with the hostages or not. Partly because this was being televised live across mm. Sweden and was the first such event like that and in a way kind of still like the totemic event like that I know in our lifetime there was that siege on the kosher supermarket in France wasn't there mm. which was a bit like this but this went on until August the 28th five days after this 
the siege finally ended, and during that time, 73% of the viewing public in Sweden were tuning in to watch it. The public actually flooded police headquarters with suggestions for how the standoff could be brought to a close, including such suggestions as that religious tunes by a Salvation Army band should be played outside, and also there was another suggestion that they should send in a swarm of very angry bees <laughs> to sting the perpetrators into submission. And I was like, this, this is why the average person isn't allowed to come up with solutions to hostage crises. (laughs) And by the time Olsen and Olafsson retreated into the bank vault, they had picked up a fourth hostage, a guy called Sven Safström, who they'd found hiding in a stockroom. They didn't close the door of the vault. This came much later. It's just where they're sort of making their HQ. And that's because it was away from the windows. There were sharpshooters posted all around the bank. It was close to the toilets and this back staircase, which acted as a weird sort of a neutral zone where police handed over items like coats, beer, cigarettes, as well as the cash that Olsen had demanded. The hostages could see the police crouching in the staircase when they went to the toilet. Mm. This was one of the first gestures that Olsen and Olafsson made that won the trust of the hostages was they let them go and use the toilet. They could see the police, but they were scared of what might happen to the others if they did try to flee. So they were going back and forth, knowing that the police were right there watching them, but they couldn't approach them. As early as day two, one of the hostages, Kristen Enmark, she spoke to the Prime Minister of Sweden, Olaf Palmer, for about 40 minutes on the phone, and she begged them to let them all go with Olafsson and Olsen. She said, I am very disappointed. I think you are sitting there playing checkers with our lives. I fully trust Clark Olofsson and the robber I am not desperate they haven't done a thing to us on the contrary they have been very nice but you know Olaf Sweden's such an informal country what I am scared of is that the police will attack us and so that was a big part of it that doesn't really get talked about you know it wasn't just the fact that they had developed this sense of attachment to their kidnappers it was the fact that they also were afraid of what the police reaction would be that they would come in all guns blazing that everyone would be killed And that's not necessarily symptomatic of a developing amorous relationship with the people that are threatening her life. That's just a pragmatic response, isn't it, to knowing that what could go desperately wrong here is the police overreaction. Yeah, it was a survival mechanism, but it was a powerful one and one that they didn't necessarily have control over, which doesn't mean that it wasn't a survival mechanism. You don't have to be thinking logically, I am doing this to survive. That was obviously the motive of it. But it did, I think, turn into such a powerful emotion that they couldn't necessarily control it. And I think they afterwards were kind of overwhelmed by how they had felt towards the abductors. You know, and there was an element of genuine gratitude, too, because when your whole life has been upended, everything's taken away. You think you might die. You might never see your loved ones again. Those small gestures do become extremely emotionally significant. Well, that was one of the explanations given by Dr. Frank Ockberg, who was a trauma specialist, who was one of the first people to define Stockholm Syndrome in a memo to the FBI. It was actually originally come up with by Niels Beyero, who's a Swedish criminologist and psychiatrist, and he described uh, Stockholm Syndrome. Well, Normalm Storg Syndromet, he originally coined. Yes. It just became Stockholm Syndrome for Americans, didn't it? (laughs) <laughs> right, he was talking about the square in which the crisis unfolded. Yeah, a bit specific, isn't it, for CNN? <laughs> yeah, but just going back to your point, Rebecca, Ochberg said that Stockholm Syndrome develops because when hostage takers allow their hostages to, you know, use the toilet or eat or talk or move with their permission, what it reminds the hostages of is some sort of feeling of infancy and they re-experience at least according to this clinical professor some feeling of being looked after by your parents but looked after with boundaries you know there are rules about what you can and can't do but it's done with kindness and I think the most startling example 
the attachment that the group had formed to their abductors was at the very end. So the way that the standoff ended was that police had drilled holes in the roof of the vault and they gassed them and they had threatened that if the police tried to gas and they would shoot the hostages. So this was a big risk, but in the end they surrendered. And so when they opened the vault, the group insisted that Olsen and Olofsson go out first because they were afraid that the police wanted to leave them till last and that they would shoot them once the hostages were safe. You think the first thing you do is run yeah. to safety, but they held back and they said, no, we insist that Olsen and Olafsson leave first so they'll be safe. And then they kissed and shook hands before the abductors yeah, were taken away. Yeah, and they away. said, don't hurt them, they didn't harm us, and continued to keep in touch with them later. Enmark said to Olofsson, Clark, I'll see you again, as she was leaving. And refused to testify against him in court. And even raised money for their defence fund. Yeah, Kristen Enmark went on to become a psychologist and her family became friends with Olofsson. She said that she didn't like the idea of how Stockholm Syndrome is portrayed. She said, it makes perfect sense for me to want to befriend my captors when I've been taken hostage. And that's a survival mechanism. And it's not me accidentally falling in love with them or anything. It's me wanting to appeal to their better judgment and find a way to humanise myself to them and vice versa so that they don't kill I me. I think people do understand that but what people don't understand, they understand the concept of like befriending, doing what you, know, you have to at the moment, to befriend them yeah. to survive but, but then afterwards. I think the part that people find hard to understand is yeah, yeah why can't you then switch that off and be like I was just kidding I was only pretending to like Although you. what's interesting about right. this is it's a very pure demand that he had. I want money. But actually, what Stockholm yeah. Syndrome has kind of come to mean in the popular imagination is through examples of political terrorism, you know, American hostages in Tehran, the schoolgirls kidnapped by Islamists in Nigeria, coming round to a terrorist cause, which kind of takes this on an extra mm. level. It's not just about sympathising with them on a human level. You are spending a lot of time thinking about what they're saying in a way that the average person mm. doesn't. I mean, how often do you spend more than five minutes trying to understand a different way of political thought. There was some element of that to it as well, because Sven, the, the one male hostage, he said he ended up thinking a lot about prisons and prison reforms from the experience. He actually came away feeling sympathetic to them that they hadn't been reformed by prison. Nonetheless, Jan Eric was immediately taken into custody and sentenced with 10 years in prison. Uh, and upon release, married an admirer who'd written to him in prison and moved to Thailand with her, where he lived for 15 years and ran a supermarket. <laughs> It's it's such a weird footnote that <laughs> that way that the story ends. Tomorrow. Yeah, it's not look on my great work, see mighty in despair. It's just like <laughs> still here. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. Part of the ACAS Creator Network. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.